0: Well, we are uh, continuing our study through the book of James, and uh, to date we have covered uh, six of the tests of authentic faith. This book is a collection of tests of faith. If you want to know whether or not you know Christ, if you want to know whether or not your faith is authentic, it's real, James is a great book to read because it it, uh, identifies, uh, clarifies, um, and helps us see our own life, our own faith to see whether or not it, in fact, lines up with Scripture. Uh, We're at now, chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn there with me. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. And this is really the peak of the, the book of James. This is the centerpiece. I want to read it for you, and then I'll make a few comments before we dive into the sermon. Verse 13 begins, who is wise in understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, then open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So we have here this this word from James, which ties closely to the words from the Apostle Paul that Jared just read, Um, and it's it's a, a wonderful parallel passage. But this particular paragraph that I just read for you really is the controlling thought of the book. Uh, Most commentators and uh, scholars believe that that it is the guiding star of this book. It is kind of what directs all the rest of of James' thoughts. Uh, Everything else in this book um, finds its center here in this paragraph. Heavenly wisdom versus earthly wisdom is the idea. It's the theme and relates to every single uh, test of authentic faith. So let's think through the test of authentic faith for a second and see how it relates to what you just heard read. We just we just read verses thirteen through eighteen. We see there heavenly wisdom identified versus earthly wisdom. We've seen as we go back through the trials now that heavenly wisdom will embrace trials. That's the first test of faith. How do you how do you view trials? Do do you see them as something that is an enemy or, or a friend, an ally, or something else? Well, if you have heavenly wisdom, you'll embrace trials, knowing that God uses them to produce Christ-likeness in you. You won't run from them. Uh, You won't look for them either, but you will certainly embrace them when they come, because that's what God uses to make you more like Jesus. This is heavenly wisdom. Next, heavenly wisdom sees God as good, to consider the next test of faith, what is your view of God do you view God as good or as as a tyrant of sorts uh, some cosmic killjoy? Well the second test of faith is your view of him And if you have heavenly wisdom your view of God will be scriptures view of God that he's loving kind and good And then next we we, we uh, saw in James this the third test of authentic faith is that we would esteem God's word Uh, If you have heavenly wisdom that will be the case in your life. You will esteem the Word of God You'll value it. You'll read it. You'll take it in as much as possible and Then next you'll esteem God's people heavenly wisdom will not only esteem God God's Word But it'll also esteem God's people you won't show partiality to people in your life You'll you'll treat them as God would have you treat them You would esteem them and then Heavenly wisdom would lead you to consistent and faithful good works That is showing your faith by your works And then our next test heavenly wisdom will see a constant improvement in controlling the tongue Have you noticed that in your life that you become better at controlling what comes out of your mouth? That is a sign that you possess heavenly wisdom that your that your faith is authentic that you know Jesus and so, now we find ourselves in this particular um, passage, verses 13 through 18, and it functions really as a summary of the entire book. If you can grasp the, the meaning here of these few verses, uh, you'll grasp pretty much the, the main theme, the main point of the book. And it is this, heavenly wisdom versus earthly wisdom. If you have authentic faith, you'll possess heavenly wisdom. If you don't have authentic faith, you're wisdom will be restricted to earthly wisdom so this idea of wisdom is a common theme in scripture if you read your Bible you you, you'll come across it from time to time Um, for example in Proverbs chapter 4 verse 7 says the beginning of wisdom is this get wisdom I like that the beginning of wisdom is this get wisdom and whatever you get get insight and this is this is common especially in the book of, of proverbs but all all the wisdom literature of the old testament and much of paul's writing much of jesus's teaching has to do with wisdom and applying it cicero even uh, that that ancient philosopher wisdom is the mother of all good things he said but the jews the ones uh, james was writing to they clearly understood that true wisdom was not intellectual true wisdom wasn't wasn't just about what you knew, it was about your behavior, or the application of what you know. This is how Jews viewed it. They believed that the biggest fool was the one who knew truth but failed to apply it. To the Jews, wisdom was the skill of living righteously. That's how one could tell whether or not you were truly wise, is how they were living. Sprinkled throughout the scripture is a contrast between wisdom from God and wisdom from man. Uh, wisdom from above wisdom from below as james uh, describes it and we see it throughout the entire uh, corpus of scripture the, the kind of wisdom a person possesses will be revealed by the kind of life he lives this is what verse 13 says who is wise and understanding than you by your good conduct let it, let it be seen so those those who only possess the wisdom of man That is the wisdom from below will demonstrate by their lives that they have no saving relationship with Jesus Christ On the other hand if you possess genuine saving faith, it'll be manifest in In how you live it'll be evident to those in your life. It'll be evident to yourself that you know Jesus Based on your life, so let's let's dive into this this really important paragraph. Let's look at it closely and I hope it, it, uh, it turns out to be an encouragement to you. But Let's look at it. First James says, who is wise in understanding among you by his good conduct? Let him show it. All right, so most people, how do they think of themselves? Do you know of anybody that says, yeah, I'm a fool? <laughs> no, most people think of themselves as wise to one degree or another. Uh, it seems that there is no limit to the number of experts um, on any given subject. You know, we have bloggers, podcasters, article writers, Facebook posters, YouTubers, all promoting their expertise on some topic. Um, and if we like them, you know, push the like button, uh, then they're confirmed in their in their own mind that they indeed are the local sage on the matter. Right? This is how it works. I, I, I see this often even in the church. From time to time, people come to church with all the answers. Uh, they, they have their... Opinions about how things ought to run how the the church ought to be led. They have their ideas about what and how uh, We should teach Uh, They're experts in mission strategy and small group vision in preaching technique or how elders ought to function how and who should be in leadership And this this happens from time to time um, in churches, and I've experienced it here But James asks a simple question in verse 13 is do you think you're wise you think you've got a corner on the market in any particular area many of us would answer sure I'm at least as wise as the next guy right I, I trust my own opinion more than than most people in my life but then James here in this verse throws down the gauntlet and I think this is important to see he gives a command he says if you think you're wives prove it if you think you're wise prove it show me what do you mean show me show me by your life if your faith is authentic you'll show it by your conduct James says how can we show anyone whether or not we have wisdom and understanding from above that we possess uh, heavenly wisdom he says by your good conduct you might think well why does James have to always get into my grill you know always you know getting personal what does my conduct have to do with my wisdom My knowledge, my understanding. Well, this is an important question. Uh, Wisdom isn't the same thing as knowledge, right? You understand that? Wisdom is the practical application of knowledge. So James uses the word for wisdom here to designate speculative knowledge or theory or philosophy. But, But for the Jews that received this book, it carried a much deeper meaning and had to do with the careful application of knowledge to life. Uh, true, true wisdom is knowing how to act or think in any given situation. This is why James tells us to prove our wisdom, we have to have good conduct. If your behavior is inconsistent with biblical godliness, then you aren't as wise as you may think you are. To channel the infamous Inigo Montoya, I don't think you have what you think you have. if you're wise it will play out in your life is what James is saying Um, you'll see it in your conduct and everybody else by the way will too this conduct is going to be exemplary it's going to be biblical it's going to be God glorifying so in the same way that faith is meaningless as we learned back in chapter 2 without good work so wisdom is meaningless without good conduct The very very same concept. James isn't asking if you have experience. He isn't asking if you have uh, opinion. He doesn't even care if you know the answers. James is simply asking if you have wisdom. Can you practically apply the wisdom that God has granted us in the scriptures to your daily living? Is what James is asking. Notice that James uh, connects the adjective good to the word conduct. Do you see there? And of course, good is an important adjective. It means lovely, beautiful, winsome, attractive, noble, excellent. That kind of behavior, that kind of conduct is what James is describing. And I think that's what James is saying would be associated with heavenly wisdom. But James even goes further than just saying good conduct. He he adds works to it. Do you see that there in verse 13? He says, good conduct and works. It's more specific identification of the wisdom that he's speaking of, that wisdom from above. It's, It's more than just a general winsome conduct. It also includes serving one another, loving one another, sacrificing for others. That's where heavenly wisdom will also go, not just in winsome, excellent conduct but in serving the people in your life he still has more though for us to consider whether or not our wisdom is from above or from below whether or not our wisdom confirms authentic faith or not look what he does there at the end of verse 13 he he adds this idea of meekness in wisdom he says who is wise and understanding among you by his good works or good conduct let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom what does that mean well, people who are wise in their own eyes generally are not meek, but what? Arrogant, the opposite of meekness. All right, so the word meekness is familiar to those of us who read the Bible. Uh, we, we, we see that often uh, in Moses' life, for example, Moses is called the meekest man on earth. Jesus said that the meek would inherit the earth. The word meek means tender, gentle, gracious. Many times though, we associate the idea of weakness with meekness, don't we? And of course, that isn't the biblical idea of the word at all. It's more about uh, power and knowledge under control. That's the idea of meekness in scripture. I don't think any of us would say Moses was a weak person. He's a relatively strong person. So meekness and gentleness are really synonymous, biblically speaking. And, of course, gentleness is listed in the the list of fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. It's also similar to those who are poor in spirit in Jesus' sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom. That's that's something that that Jesus said and uh, relates to this idea of meekness. So let's see how James here in this passage distinguishes between heavenly wisdom and earthly wisdom. Because I think this is important to get a handle on Let's take earthly wisdom first. What exactly is earthly wisdom as opposed to heavenly wisdom? Uh, Solomon in Ecclesiastes gives us a good example of earthly wisdom. He, he sets out to test everything to see if it fulfills. And, of course, we know the, the book of Ecclesiastes. We, we know how this goes. Uh, Solomon ends up deciding that everything is vanity, everything is futile, uh, nothing fulfills everything is worthless he actually at one point congratulates the dead because they don't have to deal with the meaningless of life uh, and, th- and then he goes even further which demonstrates the the earthiness of his, or earthliness of his wisdom at this point in his life he goes and says in fact you know who's better than those who have been alive and those who have died those who have never existed that was his conclusion all of his insight, all of his work, in discovering fulfillment in life. So clearly, he's working from a human perspective, from earthly wisdom. He, he relates how man sees the world through his own fallen, self-centered, sinful eyes, and he reveals the folly and the uselessness and the, the senselessness, frustration, the futility of man's wisdom without God. The book of Ecclesiastes is a commentary on man's wisdom. Examples of earthly man-made wisdom are all over scripture, but these will uh, Be familiar to you the Tower of Babel remember that group of people They thought it was a good idea to disobey God and instead of filling the earth and mul- multiplying They they stayed put they didn't want to go fill the earth. They just want to stay right there and build a tower um, and, a, and it was a tower to their own name their own success their own grandeur That didn't work out so well, did it? But it's an example of earthly wisdom. Another example that you're familiar with is when Abraham decided to leave the Promised Land and go down to Egypt. How'd that work out for him? Not good, but he thought it was the right thing to do. King Saul, another one. You remember when King Saul offered his armor to young David? And, of course, young David was much smaller than King Saul, You know, and he realized very quickly, David did, that this wasn't going to work. But Saul, hey, why don't you try my armor as you go fight the the Philistine? Well, that didn't work too well either. And then in the New Testament, we we find examples of earthly wisdom. When the disciples uh, were with Jesus and there was a large crowd gathering and they decided, they realized they had no food, no place for them to stay. What did they tell Jesus? Why don't you send them away so that they can go find some place to eat and sleep and jesus says let's let's do that for them and so there, there's a real clear contrast between earthly wisdom and and heavenly wisdom so let's look now at the foundation of earthly wisdom if we're going to distinguish it between uh heavenly wisdom let's look first of all at the foundation that james says is the foundation of earthly wisdom he has two main ideas that he uh that he shares with us, that make up the foundation of earthly wisdom. You see those there in verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, James says those two things are the foundation of earthly wisdom. Now, of course, they're not the only elements of earthly wisdom, but those are the things that James uses to establish his argument. The first he lists is bitter jealousy. Bitter jealousy is a foundational aspect of James's definition of earthly wisdom. The adjective, of course, bitter, has the basic meaning of sharp, prickly, pungent, and it's used, uh, he used it up there in verse 11 to describe the, the bitter and salty water. Here, James uses the word metaphorically to describe that sharp and cutting, destructive attitude that doesn't listen to or care about others. That's the bitter jealousy that he was speaking about. And then he, his second descriptive term is selfish ambition there in verse 14. Uh, and it, he identifies this also as a foundational aspect of worldly wisdom. And I think he adds this idea because it suggests strife from extreme self-centeredness. Earthly wisdom, James is, tr- is going to communicate to us, is really based on self-centeredness. And so he uses this idea of selfish ambition. These things are always associated with those who are wise in their own eyes. The, the minute you don't fulfill the expectation of a selfish person or get in the way of their agenda, you'll experience strife and contention and maybe hostility, right? Have you ever been there? Have you ever gotten in the way of a, of a selfish person wanting to accomplish something? Uh, you, you know that you pay for it eventually, right? So James nails it here with the word boast. In many translations, maybe some of the ones you use, use the word arrogant. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast or don't be arrogant and false to the truth, he says. Now, that word has, has been used, like I said, in different translations as arrogant. And <clears throat> to arrogantly boast about your insight or, or self-proclaimed wisdom is to be false to the truth, he says. What does that mean? That's kind of an interesting term, isn't it? When you boast about yourself or, or, or selfish, in your ambitions or, or bitterly jealous in your experience, James says that, that that's really a, an arrogance and a lie about the truth. What does this really mean? So if your life is marked by these things, bitter jealousy, selfish ambition, you're being false to the claim of knowing Jesus is what he's saying. That person won't have authentic, living, saving faith. It goes even beyond that it further refers to the gospel of Jesus Christ itself That kind of attitude bitter jealousy selfish ambition really is in opposition to the gospel of Jesus Christ It contradicts the gospel Those with earthly wisdom care about their own ideas and their own desires and interestingly their standard of measurement is their own opinion if you happen to serve the goals of this kind of individual, you'll be welcomed, you'll be considered good and helpful, but if you stand in their way, you, you catch it, don't you? And you find yourself the brunt of their contempt. Those who are obsessed with their own worldly wisdom create their own reality and resent anyone who disagrees with it. They they generally conflict with the leadership of any kind, but especially leadership of a church. They, their idea is they think, who are you to? To tell me what God requires so the reason James can be so forceful about this uh, issue is because the central requirement of the gospel is humility right isn't this what Jesus said in his first sermon the Sermon on the Mount Matthew 5 blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God what does poor in spirit mean means humble that's what it means so James is is On solid ground here he's saying the same thing Jesus has said so later in Jesus's ministry he he said this to his followers "Um, if you want to follow me you need to deny yourself remember that so if someone isn't denying self but exalting self that's not humility God requires humility so this is being false to the truth of the gospel it's an opposition a basic opposition to the gospel when you don't possess humility. So if you do have authentic saving faith and do possess the wisdom that's from above, you'll you'll not be a jealous, selfish, arrogant person, is what James is saying. Let's look at the characteristics of earthly wisdom. Look Look at verse 15. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Let's look at these one by one. Earthly. We've, I've called this earthly wisdom, so this is a good identifying point. It is from below. It's not from above. It's, it's from earth, not from heaven. It's, it's from man, not from God. Earthly wisdom is limited to the present, to the material world, to time and space. It's limited to what man can see or deduce or discover. So there's a limitation to earthly wisdom, next James says it's unspiritual versus spiritual if it's unspiritual it means that it's fleshly it's of the flesh it's of man it's void of spiritual insight Paul said this to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 2 14 the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him okay there's the man with natural insight natural wisdom the things of God make no sense to him why He's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. There is a spiritual element, and wisdom from man, earthly wisdom, is limited to earth, to man. So, the reason unregenerate people can't understand the things of God is they have no spiritual receptors. They remain in the flesh with no vision. This is why precious truth to us um, about God, about our salvation, makes no sense to our unsaved friends or unsaved neighbors. I'm I'm certain you've experienced that in conversation. Trying to explain the gospel is frustrating when you're dealing with someone who doesn't have any spiritual insight. Those who only possess earthly wisdom are are bound to earthly senses. That's all they have. The, The... What makes up their worldview is what they can see and perceive And so when you start talking about biblical things or spiritual things Right over the head So they value and prioritize what they can see or feel this is why money sex status material possessions are all of primary importance to them and The things of God the things of God's people are really foolishness to them why would you go spend your Sundays? You only have two days on the weekend. Why would you spend half a Sunday in church? When are you gonna go biking or hunting? Is kind of their attitude. So those without the Spirit of God in them have no heavenly wisdom. They literally don't understand what's written. I mean, they understand English, but they don't understand the, the spiritual meaning behind what's written. They don't get it. It's why, it's because they don't have heavenly wisdom. They have not been given the Spirit of God. Thirdly, James says this. He says in verse 15 that it's demonic, even. It's kind of scary, isn't it? And he says, even though it's of natural, it's demonic. Satan uses demonic forces to accomplish his purposes in the minds and lives of unregenerate people. He, he persuades the residents of this planet through deception, false teaching, greed, materialism, what have you, to keep them blind to the truth. This is what Paul exactly said in 2 Corinthians 4.4. In their case, that is the unsaved case, those who have no heavenly wisdom. In their case, the God of this world, that is Satan, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel in the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan actually blinds the spiritual vision of people, and offering worldly wisdom to those he tempts is nothing new for Satan, is it? And this what happened in the garden. He offered worldly wisdom to Adam and Eve, and they bit. This is, Paul acknowledged this in 2 Corinthians 11. He said, But I am afraid. That as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from the sincere and pure devotion to Christ. This is an ongoing trick of Satan. To, to blind the spiritual eyes of people so that they can't see the glory of the gospel, the glory of Christ. They can't experience heavenly wisdom. Let's look at the results of earthly wisdom. What is this all, how does this all play out? Verse sixteen: For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, he's using that to identify earthly wisdom. Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Okay, there's the results of earthly wisdom. Um, this is this is basically reiterating the foundational elements of earthly wisdom: bitter jealousy, ambition, and he says it leads to chaos, chaos, disorder, and every vile practice. Do you? know people whose lives are marked by chaos it seems no matter what is going on there's always confusion there's always uh, dissent and and dis- disagreement broken relationships distrust disharmony and just general chaos do you know people like that I do he, and James has made it clear that those with authentic faith are are not chaotic they're not unstable they're not restless He says these things in in James chapter 1, 8 and chapter 3, verse 8. It's the same word he uses here in 316. Chaotic. If a person claims to know Jesus Christ and claims to have wisdom or insight, but they're proud, arrogant, self-centered, and resistant to authority and have chaotic lives, James is casting a large degree of doubt on their salvation. That's what he's saying. That's a a picture of earthly wisdom. Now, this is a test from James of authentic faith. So he's going to give us a contrasting view also. He's just described earthly earthly wisdom. Now he's going to look at heavenly wisdom. Let's look at heavenly wisdom. Heavenly wisdom, again, we see it all over Scripture, but I'll read a little bit here from Proverbs 9. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's not, that's not a servile fear. That's a respectful, uh, a reverent fear, an acknowledgment of his person. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So let's look at the foundation of heavenly wisdom. The foundation of heavenly wisdom. First of all, and most obvious, where does it come from? heaven from above right from God and so the most obvious element of heavenly wisdom is that it is from God God is the source of true heavenly wisdom Psalm 10 and, and this is everywhere there's there's hundreds of verses that support this but let me just take one from Psalm 104 verse 24 Oh Lord how manifold are your works in wisdom you have made them all a, a A defining character quality of God is that he is infinitely wise which gives us hope for living doesn't it I mean knowing that God is watching over us then he knows what is best for us he's infinitely wise that's a basic element of God's character quality and then listen to this Colossians chapter 2 verse 3 in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge all the treasures of hidden, are hidden in Christ. So, heavenly wisdom, evidently, will result in knowing Christ. Follow me. 2 Timothy 3.15. And how from childhood, Paul says to Timothy, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, the scriptures, where God is revealed, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. How? through faith in Christ Jesus. Heavenly wisdom results in knowing Christ. Then listen to Jesus' own words in Matthew 7 that we are all familiar with. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. We even put music to that verse, didn't we? It's so important to us. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The foundation of heavenly wisdom, friends, is God himself. It's a relationship with God. The only way you can access heavenly wisdom if you embrace Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. That's the only way you can have heavenly wisdom. This is critically important. So those who will embrace Jesus Christ, the source of all heavenly wisdom, the source of forgiveness of sin, the the, the source of grace and mercy from God Himself, those who will turn their back on their own wisdom, their own agenda, and humbly follow this wise one from heaven, Jesus Christ, those are the ones who can live, as James says, those with heavenly wisdom will live what are the characteristics of heavenly wisdom there's a long list look at them with me but so here's the word the contrasting word but verse 17 but the wisdom from above is first pure then peaceable gentle open to reason full of mercy and good fruits impartial and sincere there's your list those are the character qualities of a person who possesses heavenly wisdom, who person who knows Jesus Christ. The one, the one whose faith is authentic, that list is a list of identifying character traits in their lives. Now, um, that's an impressive list, isn't it? <laughs> First of all, let me say this. In the original language, James uses euphonious words to describe this wisdom from above. And of course, euphonious means pleasant sounding. So, the words he chooses to describe the character qualities of heavenly wisdom sound sweet to the ear, just the sound, the rhythm, the pace of the words themselves sound pleasant. Um, and it is opposed to and contrad- is contrasting to the words that James used to describe earthly wisdom. So I'm trying to share with you some linguistic things here. As James describes heavenly wisdom, he uses melodious words that sound pleasant to the ear. As he describes earthly wisdom, he uses staccato-sounding words that are harsh and and real uh, heavy-sounding to the ear. If I read those words to you in the Greek language, you would say you could identify which list is heavenly and which list is earthly just by the sound of them. And James intends to do that. By just listening to the list being read, it almost pacifies the heart, doesn't it? Listen again and see if this doesn't bring a a measure of peace to you. But wisdom from above is first pure and peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. It's soothing just to hear the words. And that's James' intent. Versus bitter jealousy and selfish ambition and 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 the the sound of those words in in greek are are much harsher than in english i i think his point is clear there is a distinct difference between the two (laughs) between heavenly wisdom and earthly wisdom if paul is correct in romans 8 29 that we are predestined to be conformed to the image of jesus christ we're God has a plan that each and every one of us who know Jesus will become like him. If, in fact, Paul is right in that, then this list that James uses to describe Christian character is no surprise. Because this list in verse 16 of James 3 is a list of Christ-like characteristics, isn't it? This is how Jesus was. This is how Jesus is. And so this is how you and I will be ultimately. Maybe not perfectly right now. Of course, not perfectly right now, but this is the thing that God is working us towards Christ-likeness. We will one day be like Jesus. And these character qualities will be true of us. So <clears throat> these are very clear and contrasting lists that, that Paul, I mean, that James has given us. Let's move now to the results of heavenly wisdom. Verse 18, and the harvest of righteousness, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This can be a little confusing when you try to dissect this verse, but basically James is saying that those who possess heavenly wisdom will live in peace with people. They'll have peaceable lives. There won't be ongoing relational battles. There won't be ongoing alienation from God or from people. There will be peace on all sides, but not just peace, but righteousness. There will be an observable trait of righteousness in those who possess heavenly wisdom. We will be able to see the righteousness in each other's lives if we possess heavenly wisdom. That's what James is saying in verse 18. The the idea behind the words harvest of righteousness is meant to communicate an abundance. There will be an abundance, an overflowing amount of these kind of character qualities. There will be abundance of right living that will encourage people and bring about peace and hope and love along with the other virtues connected to godliness. So the life that's lived by wisdom that is from above will be a fountain of encouragement to everyone around them. This is what Paul meant when he said this to the Philippian church in chapter 1 verse 11, you will be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That is is our goal, our objective, to be filled with the fruit of righteousness so that we are a blessing to people around us. And that will be the case if you possess genuine faith, living faith, saving faith, if you possess wisdom from above. So, to wrap this up, having a knowledge of the truth of the gospel is, is great. Having a knowledge of the truth of the gospel is great. But not to apply that wisdom by embracing, embracing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, James would say, is the height of foolishness. Do you know the gospel? How many times have you heard the gospel? Well, that doesn't really matter. What matters is, have you embraced Christ have you embraced Jesus of the gospel do you know him personally in case you have no knowledge of the gospel I want you to listen to me for 60 seconds as I tell you the gospel of Jesus Christ as I explain to you the wisdom from heaven okay listen God is holy you and I are not holy we are sinful and as a result of that sin we've been separated from god all right so we we're born with a problem it's a sin problem and unless we embrace the god of heaven who became man jesus we remain alienated from god but jesus came so that he might mediate a reconciliation between the holy god and sinful man Between a holy God and sinful you and me. And he came and lived a perfect life that God requires of you and me that we can't live. And died the death for sin that he didn't know but we did. So he exchanged his perfection for our sin. He granted us his perfection and took our sin. And on Calvary he died for our sin. So that we might know eternal life. That we might be blessed and have have God forgive our sins and grant us mercy and grace because of Christ have you embraced that reality have you embraced that truth if so you possess heavenly wisdom if you have yet to embrace that truth you do not have heavenly wisdom you're living off of earthly wisdom man's wisdom, the wisdom from below this is what James wants you to consider the gospel of Jesus Christ do you know it, have you embraced it if so, this is how your life will look. Show me, James says. How are you doing in this? You know, some of you have told me, James used to be my favorite book um, before we got to this sermon series. Well, the, the point, if, you're, if you've been feeling a little bit uneasy as we've gone through the book of James, then the Holy Spirit is accomplishing exactly what he wants to accomplish in the book of James. He wants you to think about your faith. Do you really know Jesus? You know, you you can sit through church your whole life and not know Jesus. You you can be involved in, in all sorts of good things and not know Jesus. The question is, do you know him? And so that's why James, being faithful to God, lays out these tests of faith. So that you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, God am I truly saved do I truly know Jesus Christ have has he forgiven my sins am I in Christ so if you've felt a little uneasy about that that's perfect you're responding perfectly now respond to the spirit and get on board with Christ all right continue with Christ uh, in case you're, you're new today or, or have been here long enough to hear me say this James isn't asking you or me for perfection. He's asking you and me for a direction. Not perfection, but direction. What's the direction of your life? What's the trajectory generally of your wife, of your life? Are you are you if you if you looked the, you know, the trajectory of your life is it godward or selfward? Is it heavenward or earthly? That's all he's asking. And I'm hope I hope you're seriously considering these things. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you for this passage that, that marks out so clearly the distinction between those who know Christ and those who do not, those who possess wisdom from above and those who do not. God, I pray that, that if there be someone in this room uh, right now that has yet to embrace Christ as their Lord and Savior, who have yet to, to uh, um, embrace the gospel confess their sins and and come to Christ humbly. I pray that by the power and grace and mercy that you give to us through the Holy Spirit, I pray that that you would do that now for them. That you would grant them heavenly wisdom that would help them see the clarity and power of the gospel and and fall humbly at the feet of Jesus and embrace him as their Savior and Lord. Father, for those of us who, who have walked with Christ for a length of time, I pray that you would use these words from the book of James to challenge the, the depth of our faith and, and the commitment we have for, of Christ and for Christ. I pray that we would be even more determined to live for him faithfully day by day and that you would use us for his glory and for the good and joy of your people. Help us to be a blessing to those around us today.